We look at two short verses in the fifth chapter of what the Bible will be titled in the Bible as 1 Thessalonians. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. And in these two little verses, he's going to talk about leadership and how that leadership actually creates an atmosphere of hope. How we have the opportunity to live together in our faith and experience our faith and and let God move in our lives in a dynamic fashion with organization. And ultimately, when we look at this passage, he will say, with peace. And so let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Let's go to chapter 5. Let's take a look at these two verses, 12 and 13. Um, If you're new to the scriptures, the first Thessalonians shows towards the back, or even easier, go to YouVersion, download the YouVersion app. The vast majority of our people use that. So if you see people coming up on their phones or on their iPads, they're not checking in, it's okay. If you want to check in, um, in fact, it's safe. You can probably tweet a quote from the message now that conservatives will be allowed on Twitter again. And so um, feel feel free to tweet it. No, no, maybe you should check with somebody in communications before you do that. No, they're not, not everybody's not just checking their Facebook status. They're looking at Version Bible app, and that's where the scripture is, and it's super easy to get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. This is what Paul says, and now as you're looking at your Bible, I'm going to add a few words that give a deeper or extended meaning to what the Greek language, which is what this book of the Bible is written in, the original Greek language, says and interprets some of the synonyms, so to speak, on some of this terminology. So in verse 12, he says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, to give recognition, and here's the first kind of parenthetical, those words can mean give recognition as it is in the Christian Standard Bible, or to respect, or to know a sense of relationship, or to take note of, to to stop, pause, and literally recognize something as important. Give recognition, respect, know, and take note of those who labor. Here's another parenthetical. That word literally means strenuous work, consistent work, not just a one-time moment of action, but consistent and regular and strenuous labor. Notice those, pay attention to, recognize those who labor among you and who lead you in the Lord and admonish you, not a word we use a lot, it carries a corrective tone, so it's both instruction and correction, those who admonish you, and to regard them very highly, literally to esteem, in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, which is what good leadership should accomplish. Now, if you've read any biographies or you looked at history in any way, you know that leadership and good leadership oftentimes can create friction. But the ultimate goal, particularly in the church of Jesus Christ, is one of peace. So that even the friction or temporary conflict is to take us to a new, higher plane of living our faith and demonstrating who we are in Christ. So I'm going to break this down into a little bit more detail than we normally would just to understand how leadership functions in the church. Now, in my opinion, these same principles and these same guidelines would work in business. It would work in corporate. It would work in a family business. It works in a, in a literal family, a nuclear family. It would work in just about any environment because I believe the scripture is transferable to other environments. But Paul is specifically talking about 
And our context will remain specifically in the life of a church, a group of people who are gathering and who by their faith in Christ have acknowledged that God has uniquely, spiritually intertwined our lives and made us a family, made us a community of people who have the same beliefs, the same values, the same directions, the same desires, not in some weird sense of uniformity that everybody looks the same, acts the same, says the same things, but in a very dynamic level of continuity and community where we live out our faith and we learn and we experience, we fail, we succeed, and we do that in the context of being in relationship. And one of those relationships is always going to be leadership. And Paul simply tells us, respect the leadership. If they're to bring us hope, if they're to help us live out the hope that Paul talked about earlier in chapter four in the first part of chapter five, if that true hope is to be experienced, then there needs to be a level of respect for the leadership. The recognition piece in verse 12, to to give recognition. Just simply acknowledge that leadership functions. It's not just simply the idea of recognizing in some formal way. It is appropriate for to do that and to have moments like that. But to recognize they are a leader. They, and they're somebody we look up to. And there's multiple levels of leadership. There's, there's layers of leadership in a church. And you have been impacted just this morning. Whether you're here in person or whether you're on live stream, everything you're experiencing is because those layers of leadership have worked together to create an opportunity for us to grow and mature in our faith, to celebrate the victories that God has given us or that we're anticipating God would give us, and to walk with one another in the difficulties and the failures and the struggles of living this life as a sinful person, which each and every single one of us is, and as a person who lives in a sinful world, a fallen world that is not the way God designed it, and to manage and to navigate that difficulty in a place that understands and accepts you. And so you've been touched by leaders. There there were leaders who organized Bible study classes you were a part of this morning. In many cases, there's multiple leaders. There's a social person who made sure you had coffee. There's, There's the teacher themselves. There's a director that made sure all the things were functioning. There was somebody taking attendance and records so that you can be communicated with and have information about what's taking place. There's somebody who's guiding that process so that small group, that Bible study becomes not just an institutional education time, but it becomes a place of safety and growth and meaningful relationships that touch and impact our lives. And we simply, Paul says, recognize that, understand If you're on live stream today, there's layers of leadership that have made that possible. There's technical people that have set it up, who have learned how to do this, who are managing it right now. There's a a whole cadre of volunteers that are manning cameras, that are are working in the booth, that are following on the host and on the chat. Um, It takes a small group in our, just in the technology area to make this happen so that somebody who couldn't be here this morning is able to watch the live stream, who is able to be with us in an online sort of campus and hear and learn. And we just simply pause and, and recognize that and, and notice that. 
We, we notice the things that go on day by day. You receive correspondence. You get letters. You get information. Somebody's going to process your giving this morning. Somebody's going to make sure that what you decide in this moment to give, what you decide to drop into one of those offering boxes is handled properly, appropriately, with integrity. Somebody's going to take care of all that. There's multiple people, multiple layers there as well. When you do your online gift, it doesn't just automatically deposit and everything's done and forgotten about. All the records and all the information behind it. Recognize that the work of the church happens with multiple layers of leadership. And then he says in verse 13, to regard this leadership, part of the respect is to simply regard them and regard them very highly. There's a sense in which we should be grateful for leadership. Now, we have come through a period that impacts the vast majority of all of our lives. There are a few who transcend us in tenure, and they remember times when everybody was respected and all leaders were respected. Corporate CEOs were respected. The vice president was respected. Your manager, your supervisor was respected. You respected the political segments and so you respected the president. You respected the government. You trusted the government. I can ask everybody under 60 if you remember a time in your life when you trusted the government and the answer is going to be unanimously, that's not even the right way to say it. I'm as bad as the government. I can't even pronounce words. Um, you know, that's not simply there. there we, we have been burned. We have been scandalized. We have, we have experienced difficulty after difficulty in secular leadership. And that has impacted churches as well. And so it is a stretch for us to take Paul's words and say, look, you need to regard, you need to respect the leadership of the church very highly. Because in all probability, there has been some scenario or some situation in which that was difficult, in which that was hard, in which you actually maybe even recoiled and thought, I don't think that's the right direction or I don't think that's the right thing, uh, you know, because they're managing the most fluid time in the history of the world. I read biographies all the time, and I particularly love biographies from the first Great Awakening in the mid-1700s and from the second Great Awakening in the mid-1800s. And everything was pretty well the same. You didn't have this fluidity of generations. Children believed the same thing their grandparents did. Children learned the same way their grandparents learned. Children experience things physically the same way their grandparents. And I'm literally, I'm purposely skipping a generation. That is so far from the truth in this generation. A child today does not learn the way you and I learned. And it doesn't, you don't have to be old like me. You can be young. If you're 27 years old, the child you're going to have or have just had isn't going to learn the same way you learned. Because the world and the systems have significantly and substantially changed, and they are continuously changing. You can read any study on social structures and find out that we are on the steepest end of a learning curve for any generation in the history of the world. And the leaders need to manage that so that not any generation ever at any point in time is lost because of the failure of the church to be responsive. And this can and oftentimes it will be a thankless job because nobody's ever treaded this way before. 
There are no blazes already marked on the trees. There are no carrions already set on the trails. There is no pathway that's already been cut and carved and, and plowed and paid for us. We are on the precipice of the most difficult learning time and leading time in the history of the world. But Paul's application to respect the leaders that are leading in this difficult time doesn't change and doesn't shift. And then there's a sense, I'm going to call it, of rewarding these. Again in verse 13, he says, regard them very highly and regard them in love. I have heard the accusation throughout my life that people go into ministry for the money. You may have heard that. But that is about as far from my experience as anything I've ever had. I actually thought at one point when I was younger and a little bit more cynical, I actually thought at one point, I thought, well, some of those guys whose names you would recognize and they're bringing down big salaries. Enough time has elapsed that many of those guys are personal friends. And I'm going to tell you honestly, I don't care what their salary is, it isn't enough to put up with what they've got to put up with. And nobody I know ever thought that this was somehow going to end us in a wealthy position. It's just simply not. This particular Sunday, a many Southern Baptist churches called Adopt an Annuitant. We've done that several times as a congregation. Some of the individuals in the church have done that. Our local associations of churches adopts annuitant. Adopt an Annuitant Sunday is about naming and finding and adopting a pastor and his wife who cannot afford retirement. They were advised, as many of us were, to not do Social Security, and they don't have Medicare and Medicaid, the only thing that seems to be surviving in Social Security. They don't simply have it. They were in little churches the majority of their life, and in my generation this shifted, but in the generations prior to me, they lived in parsonages. So they never built up equity. They never owned anything of their own. And then at 75, they retire out and own nothing. And they literally don't even have a place to live. My grandfather-in-law retired on a, it wasn't even a pension, but on an annuity payment of $400 a month. If your company or your business offered you $400 a month in retirement benefits, most of you, and rightfully, would change employment. But here's the difference. My grandfather-in-law never once, at no point in time in any conversation I ever had with him before he passed away, ever reflected negatively on his financial situation. He accepted for what it was. And the reason he accepted it for what it was was because he felt God had asked him personally to lead the church. And for over 50 years, right here in Houston, he pastored smaller churches. Never a name in big lights, never a name recognized, never on the cover of a magazine, never acknowledges the, hey, the most up-and-coming, best-looking pastor. That was the reward I got last year. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> he did it because he loved Jesus. And he couldn't think of anything better that he would rather do with his life than love Jesus' bride. Stand beside her, care for her, nurture her, lead her and guide her all of his life. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, there are exceptions to everything, but the vast majority of interaction I have with church leaders, they're all in it for the same reward. God loved them and changed their life, and then they experienced what it was like to be loved in a congregation. The reward is our love. It's not a financial gift. It's, it's not some kind of tangible thing. Those are nice. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, but the real reward is just knowing that what you do values, is valued from the people. We know it's valued from God. We know the promises. Every pastor, every church leader, every church assistant, every Bible study teacher, every Sunday school teacher, everybody who ever works in children's ministry, um, they, they know, they, they know that they're not gonna get rich and they're not gonna receive some kind of tangible reward. But they're grateful to serve because God watches their service. And I'm not diminishing that value in any way, or at least I don't intend to. But I'm saying every once in a while, when God's people respond with respect, it gives a temporary moment that you feel appreciated. I walked through the preschool department this morning, and um, some kids had had a very good breakfast. And what those preschool teachers were having to do this morning, I walked away and said, thank God you called me to pastor the church, not work in the preschool. (laughs) I mean, we put in hyperallergenic and and appropriate filters in all of our system, but nothing is gonna get that smell out of the preschool. (laughs) Nothing. I don't know which one of your kids it was, but when you pick them up today, Just tell me, I mean, just just trust me. Somebody needs respect and somebody needs a word of gratitude and somebody needs some thanks. And the truth is that's all they're doing because they get to meet great people all the time, which is a part of it. Paul describes these people in verse 12 as people who labor among you. There's that sense of labor, it is work, it is, it is consistent, it is strenuous, but it's among you, it's in, it's in this relationship, it's, it's spiritual, it's a labor that's in the Lord, and it's functional, it's because of their work that he says they deserve these, 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 the recognition and the respect. Because all of this, the laboring, the leading, the coaching, the relationships, the spirituality, the functionality of it, All of it is worthwhile. All of it is worth the time. I will have people ask me, why do you do this? And sometimes it's hard to answer, honestly. But I have a morning like this morning when I've I've just met great people all morning, people I met for the first time. I met met two great, great people this morning. I met Aiden and um, Hadley. I met Aiden and Hadley up front in the lobby. Great people. Hadley has the most beautiful smile. Aiden was taking Hadley to preschool. Aiden came in here, and then he left and went out. He got the word that it's more fun to go to children's church, and so he he took off and went to children's church. And it was worth every minute of it just to meet him. Well, yeah, it was kind of nice meeting Logan and uh, Emily. Yes, Logan and Emily as well. But they're parents. I mean, let's, let's be honest, the kids. I met Remy. Remy's six months old. She's visiting our church from Ontario, Canada. She has pretty cool parents too, especially Dan. I really like him. Well, I, I like her too, so no offense there. 
It's the relationships. And then I talked. Josh has already picked on Jim Holcomb. Jim Holcomb was our worship pastor in 19, well, not my worship pastor in 1970. I didn't have a worship pastor in 1970, but he was our worship pastor back in the 70s here, just prior to the building of this. He was a part of all the things that led up to this building and to what was taking place. Did a great job, and it does feel like he's been here forever. Josh, Josh isn't wrong on that. And Jim's mean enough sometimes, he just makes it feel like he'd been in relationship with him forever. I've met them all, hugged them all, shook hands with them all. It's, it's this labor, it is this relationship together among one another that then allows the leading and then allows that nature and that it's spiritual. This is in the Lord and that, that can't be compared. That's not transferable. That's not the same in a business or a corporation or a family or a school or an educational system. It is unique to the church because this is the people God has called to lead his church, his children, his bride. Use any of the metaphors of scripture to realize how important and how significant this is. And God called them to do that, to simply work. And part of the reason which just grateful is that I believe provides peace. Verse 13, almost like kind of randomly out of nowhere, Paul says, be at peace among yourselves. It seemed kind of strange to me at first that Paul would conclude talking about leadership with the statement, be at peace among yourselves. But then I went back to that reward and I realized there is no greater pleasure than leading a group of people that are at peace. They're at peace with God. They have a relationship with Jesus. They realize they've sinned. They've made that right. They've asked God and Jesus has made it possible for that forgiveness to take place and they are at peace with God. Which makes it much easier and typically has to be in place to be at peace with one another. It might not have been a good night and it might have been a hard struggle but there are couples that are sitting side by side today who are working on being at peace with one another and they're here as a part of this family to find peace, to be at peace with one another. Leaders of hope bring that peace. Even if you have to go through tumultuous and sometimes difficult times to adjust to all the things that are coming and the things that are happening and the things that need to happen, it's ultimately at peace so that the congregation has respect in the community. And so people want to, people, people want to be a part of things because here's a place of peace in the midst of a lot of turmoil because this is a place of hope. We invite you into a life-changing relationship with Jesus because we experienced that life-changing relationship and we are more than happy to talk to you about it. And the net result is peace for all of us in all the areas of our life. Because most of life, in my opinion, in this generation cannot be navigated without Jesus. We need him in every relationship we have. We need him in every venue we're a part of. We need him every moment of every day. So I'm gonna pray, 
I'm going to pray similar like I did the very first time I ever asked Jesus into my life. Band's going to come back. Give us a moment of worship before we dismiss out and head out and, and let you pick up those kids and thank the preschool workers. I'm just going to pray like I would pray if I was going to ask Jesus in my life for the first time today. And I want to encourage you to do that if you've never met Jesus. And I want to encourage you to talk to one of us, talk to anybody, talk to somebody you trust. Let us know, contact us, however it works best for you. And let us know so that you can begin this journey with us. For a father who's in heaven, I need you. And I know I'm disqualified. I have sinned. And I have failed repeatedly. But I'm trusting today that Jesus, in his death, in his resurrection, I'm trusting today that Jesus has the ability to forgive me. That you can clean and remove and heal the sin in my heart, in my life. I'm willing to trust you with everything. From this day forward, I will believe in you, I will trust you, and I will attempt to learn and be a follower of yours. I want you in my life. And my first act of faith, my first moment to test myself is right now when I say I believe that you've heard me and you're a part of my life from this point forward.